Nashville, Tennessee that have got eight and nine inches of snow and they're rubbing it in our face. So I'm like, just send it our way. I've already predicted that at least for January we're going to get four inches. You think we can get four inches? And the rest from February to March, we're going to get about 14 more. So I'm hoping for 18 inches this year. We're due. We need it. Um, but we're glad that you're here tonight. So we're going to start out with a little bit of review here in just a moment. But to start us out tonight, we're going to play a game, kind of give you some rules to this, all right? So you're going to see some pictures come up on the screen in just a moment. Now, I want you to come to me and tell me not what the object is, but what the object was made for, all right? So it's going to make sense to you in just a minute. Is everybody clear with that? So you're going to see a picture, not what the object is, but what the object's for, all right? There may be some prizes involved in this, so you might want to participate. All right, Philip, let's show the first one. So you got to run up here and tell me what it's for. Man. Hey, all right, give me your name. Colton. Colton. All right, so what's this object for, Colton? Um, nailing wood together. All right, nailing wood together. Good job, Colton. Come stand right here for me. All right, Philip, go on to that next slide. Oh, Megan. All right. Curly so, your eyelashes. Okay, so give me your name first. Megan. Megan. And it's curly your eyelashes. Good job, baby. All right, come right up here. All right, Philip, go on to the next one. All right. Keep people in place. All right, keep people in place. Give me your name. Chase. Case, come on up here. Good job. Good job. Y'all are getting the idea. I like it. All right, go to the next one, Philip. It's for, it's for pedaling on the bike. All right, so it's a bike pedal, pedaling on the bike. You want up here. All right, one more. Here we go. It's kind of hard to see. All right. Turning on the lights. No. I got Cameron. Cameron. Turning on the lights. Turn on the lights. Come up here. Good job, everybody. Hey, let's give them a hand. So for y'all's participation tonight, let me find them. I've got them here somewhere. Oh, they're right here. Y'all get to go to Bojangles. And there are $10 on those. So it pays to play, y'all. It pays to play. Give them a hand. Good job. <clears throat> You're welcome for your heartburn later. All right, so the one thing that we see about those things, it's not so much what the object is a lot of times. A lot of times it has to deal with what the object's meant for. So we can use those objects in different ways and probably have for many times. But... We were made for a purpose. So let's think about this. We kind of review in a little bit last week of what Pastor Mike talked about. So last week he talked about what is our purpose? Why are we here? What is our telos, right? We worked on the word telos. So last week we looked at the word telos. It is the philosophical Greek term for the end or purpose or goal. Looked at that last week, kind of looking through what we were looking at, all right? Telos begins at creation. It says all creation points to God, yet his purpose is wrapped up in us. Everything that's around us, everything that was made points back to him, but he had us in mind when he did it. Pretty cool. Looked at that last week. So there are certain things that we see throughout this that we've got to kind of keep in mind as well. For centuries, people have been asking the same question. What is the meaning of life? Why are we here? In fact, we see that in the Old Testament, kind of where it starts. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, we're going to look at that starting out tonight. 
It says, when the son of David was king in Jerusalem, he was known to be very wise, and he said, nothing makes sense. Everything is nonsense. I've seen it all. Nothing makes sense. What is there to show for all of our hard work here on earth? People come, people go, but still the word never, world never changes. The sun comes up, the sun goes down, it hurries right back to where it started from. The wind blows south, the wind blows north, round and round it blows over and over again. All rivers are empty into the sea, but it never spills over. One by one, the rivers return to their source. All of life is far more boring than words could ever say. Our eyes and our ears are never satisfied with what we see and hear. Everything that happens has happened before. Nothing is new. Nothing under the sun. Someone might say, here is something new, but it happened before, long before we were even born. No one who lived in the past is remembered anymore, and everyone yet to be born will be forgotten too. Wouldn't you just love to be around this guy? <laughs> it happened to be King Solomon, one of the wisest men that ever lived. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity is what he said. Well, even in our modern society, people still ask the question today, what was I made for? Listen to this. I used to float, now I just fall down. I used to know, but I'm not sure now. What was I made for? What was I made for? Taking a drive, I was an ideal. Looked so alive, turns out I'm not real. Just something you paid for. What was I made for? Now many of you may know those lyrics, and so those song, that song goes on to say, what was I made for? What was, what was life all about? Kind of looking at this as, why am I here? What's my purpose in life? This is a great question to ask all of us. However, we can mis be misled to believe that getting an answer to that question should be quick and simple. And once we have figured out the answer to the question, we will be set for life, right? Tonight, we're going to dig into one of the most important purposes of our existence. We're going to discover that our telos isn't just intellectual, what we think or what we know. It's actually personal. If you have your Bibles tonight, your smartphones or whatever you want to look on Scripture, I invite you to turn with me to John chapter 4. This is where I'm going to have most of our uh, Scripture from tonight. John chapter 4, we're actually going to pick up in verse 4 this evening. Here Jesus, if you remember last week, he is God and he chose to come and live among us, has an incredible conversation at a well with a woman, a Samaritan woman, in fact. So let's pick up in verse 4 of chapter 4 of John. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied from all his journey, was sitting, back, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So let's just stop and think for a second. This scene may not seem strange at all to you, but for Jesus in his day, this was an unheard of event. He was a Jewish man speaking to a Samaritan. The Jews despised the Samaritans. Some might even say they hated them. In fact, the Jews would often call them less than a person. 
So to make even matters even more worse, as a religious person or a teacher, Jesus definitely should not be starting a conversation with a Samaritan woman. It was a no-no. It's kind of like a Duke and a Carolina fan trying to talk about basketball, that everything's going to go smooth, there's not going to be any fighting, and then not one's up the next. It's just kind of how this whole thing goes. It just was unheard of. But Jesus, he dives right into this conversation, and things get very interesting. So let's pick up in verse 16 to see what happens next. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now, it's not likely that Jesus was using a microphone at this moment. But if you could just imagine, this is kind of one of Jesus's walk away from the well, mic drop moments of everything that kind of happened around him. Seeing what was going on, he knew what was going on in her life. It almost seems strange, though, that he would almost bait her into answering the questions that he had for her. Let's see where he's going with this. Interestingly, the Samaritan woman does a quick conversation diversion. It's kind of like, you ever been in those awkward situation moments when you're talking to somebody and just the, the conversation takes a turn? Where's your go-to in that? Is it the weather or is it sports or is it maybe even politics? Maybe it's a, anyway, you just kind of go a different route. Well, that's kind of what the Samaritan woman does at this point. She seemingly does a diversion, but think about what her diversion is. No, she asked Jesus about worship. Verse 20 starts us out and says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Now, I just want to stop for just a second. These people were worshipers. They were worshipers of different things, but yet they still understood the point of worship. Jesus makes a point to, this, to the Samaritan woman here. He says, specifically, you worship what you do not know. Well, in his relationship, what was going on here, he was trying to make a valid point that they did not know God the Father. However, he says, we worship what we know, being God the Father. So back in verse 18, Jesus basically proves to her that he knows everything. She responds by calling him a prophet and then asks him a strange question about worship here. So why in the world this specific, such a specific question about worship, why do you think it's so important to her? Well, at this point in the conversation, if you're Jesus in this moment, really, if you were a Jew, not being Jesus, they really could have dogged everything that had gone about, talked about their ancestry and everything and how they were so wrong and what they were worshiping. But Jesus has compassion and shows that to her very significantly. Instead, he jumps right into the most important part of her talk. John chapter 4, verse 23, he says, But the hour is coming. And is now here 
when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Before we start to kind of unpack what Jesus is telling them, telling her, we've got to first figure out why worship is so important to her. Honestly, if you were in the presence of a real prophet, I think there will be other things that you might want to ask. It's kind of like rubbing the genie lamp and getting your three wishes, right? You, some of you have already thought about what those wishes might be. Yes, I have. I'd wish for more wishes if it could happen. But maybe she was kind of thinking, for us it would be, you know, we got the Super Bowl coming up in a couple of weeks. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? I mean, who knows these days, right? So, or maybe stuff like this. Why do you, why do you park in a driveway and, and drive on a parkway? Or when you, when you take stuff to the transport with your car, it's called a shipment. And when you transport stuff on a ship, it's called a cargo. You ever thought about that before? Just weird stuff that goes on in our lives. But no, she had a specific question that she wanted to ask Jesus. It was about worship. There's something that she understood. We, us, we're all made for worship. That's why we were made. If we boil down everything that we do to its core concept, we're all about it. We're all about worship. From the moment we wake up in the morning to the moment we lay down and go to sleep at night, we spend all day, every day, worshiping something. However, how we spend our time, our money, our focus, and our hearts reveals who we worship. But none of us ever really stop worshiping. It's what we do. So think about that just for a moment. How much time do you spend on particular things? Or how much money do you spend on particular things? Or how much focus do you pay attention to different things? Essentially, when we do those in an exorbitant amount, that's what we end up worshiping. When it comes to our telos, our, our purpose in life, God designed us for one major primary reason, and that's to worship. Worship in its basic form has nothing to do with music or instruments or even singing. Now you might say, hold on now, aren't you the worship pastor? Absolutely. I love it. Hey, our worship team and worship bands, they do an awesome job. I appreciate them so much. But if we were so limited in a box of what worship was just to music and singing, that would be very small. Our worship is our everyday life. Somebody, some people might even say it's our lifestyle. That's what worship truly is. So as we think about this, worship is all about focus. It's all about aiming your life at something or someone and giving everything you have to it. Worship happens when we obey or love or serve someone or something. Unfortunately for many of us, we worship all the time, but it's completely unintentional. And therefore, we worship the wrong things while searching for purpose. Thankfully for us, Jesus gave us an incredible answer to the woman at the well on how to worship. And we get to rely on this answer to understand our own struggle with why. <clears throat> this is why our lives are all about it. This is where we begin to find our purpose, our telos. Jesus told the woman, in fact, she, he told her twice, that the true worshipers are those who worship in, in the Father in spirit and in truth. So what does that mean? 
Let's look at that. What does it mean to worship in spirit, first of all? As Jesus points out to the Samaritan woman, God is spirit. And in Genesis chapter 1, we see that we were made in God's image. So we are spiritual beings too. He made us with our spirit. Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 tell us, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We were created by God. We were created in his image, in his spirit. So what is spirit? This, this concept encompasses our emotions and our soul. It's, it's who we are. Our spirit is the unshakable dynamic of each of us that defines us and determines who we are, we are that through our spirit. So to worship in spirit, we must worship not simply, but as simply as a process, but as the purpose of our identity, going through what we have in our spirit. So standing up when the worship leader asks you to stand and clapping on beat when we're supposed to clap, it's not the definition of worship. Those are some of the components of corporately worshiping together but they are not the essence essence of worshiping God in spirit worshiping in spirit is more fulfilling than that because it taps into the purposes for which God has created each and every one of us it's to align our souls with him and refocus our hearts to line up with his heart it's who we are so we worship in spirit but we also worship in truth So what is the truth that Jesus here is referring to? In the most basic truth, in the most basic truth about life that we happened to discover last week, God is God and I am not. All creation points to God as our creator. That is the truth with which we worship. And it is by further understanding this truth, not just head knowledge and not just agreeing that it is true, but also living in a way that reveals to the world who we have placed our faith in, that we discover how to really and truly worship God in truth. The end purpose of creation is that we worship God in spirit and truth. So we worship him with our soul, with our spirit, with every being that we are, and we worship him in truth. Well, what's one way that we find truth? This is a responsive question. How do we find truth? Say it out loud, through God's word, right? You live in a society today that when, when it comes to truth, we have to search and see what all is it about. Who's saying what, where it's coming from. Guys, let me tell you, if you want to know truth, know God's word. Read it, study it, take it to heart. And anything that comes up in life that goes against God's word, push it aside because it's not of him. So we worship in spirit, we worship in truth. So what is this? So what do we what do we mean by this? What does this all come about to? We were created to worship. All of us. We do it all the time. We were created for this. If you are worshiping or focusing your life on anything else including yourself, you will not experience peace and fulfillment. 
You will not experience the joy of living out the purpose for which you were created. Okay, we've kind of got all that together. So what happens when we don't? What happens if I don't worship God? What if, it's, what if I turn all my attention away from him? Let's say we all do that. What happens next? Well, there's an answer for that. Luke chapter 19, verses 37 and 40, 37 through 40. And Jesus was talking here. He says, and he was drawing near already on the way down to the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that, he, that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. While it would be a crazy thing to hear the rocks cry out, it seems that our worship and their worship is probably a bit different. Wouldn't you agree? God created the earth and everything that is in it for his glory. But I don't get the sense that the rocks have a purpose struggle going on about who they should be honoring. Do you? I think they know very well who they were and are to worship. Yet we, yet we experience this struggle each and every day. It seems that if God designed us with the capacity to worship and placed us in a world full of things that he created that are also worshiping him, his goal is for a whole planet to be wrapped up in honoring him. It is our purpose to worship God. And he is the only being worthy of worship. So as we kind of talk through that tonight, as we think about all that's going on, I want to leave you with this thought right here. God is God and he will be worshiped. So whether that we are singing or just living our lives, let's worship him as people who understand our purpose. Church, let's stand and worship.